Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from the Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the Word of God. All right, let's do it. Okay, so Pastor Mark talked about prayer. He talked about supplication. But I want to give you another tool that's also in the same tool belt. Okay, all in the same, same pack, but just a different tool. And the one I want to talk about this morning is birthing prayer. So uh, birthing prayer is different than just normal church prayer, right? So many times a lot of churches, what they do is, and I'm going to refer to saying a lot of churches because this is where we get hung up and we, when we kind of stop the process, okay? So a lot of churches, what they do is they come in, they say, we're going to have prayer. We're going to have prayer like we have prayer the first Tuesday night of every month, a big corporate prayer meeting. So we come in. And a lot of churches, what they will do is say, okay, we're going to pray for an hour. And everybody's like, I don't think I want to go because I don't think I could pray for an hour. Because they don't understand the different types of prayer and where it can take you. Okay? So it's not about just finding a subject to be praying about for, you know, an hour. So what they do to make it easier is they'll come in and they'll have up on the screen They'll have six different areas that we're going to pray for tonight. And we're going to pray for each one of these areas for 10 minutes. That makes our hour, right? And we have had prayer. No, you did not. You did, technically. But listen, if you're going to pray for a subject for 10 minutes, I promise you, you did not have any breakthrough. It takes a whole lot longer than that. Okay? A whole lot longer than that. On the normal basis, there are times where you've already been praying about something, and man, you come in one time, and within 10 minutes, you've broken through. I get that, but I'm talking about normally churches go into prayer, and for 10 minutes, you're praying for your city. Now, God's given you a promise about your city. You're going to take your city, but we come in, and we're going to pray for 10 minutes over our city government. We're going to come in, and then we're going to pray 10 minutes over our school system. Then we're going to come in and we're going to pray 10 minutes over our state. And then we're going to come in and we're going to pray 10 minutes over our neighborhood. And we didn't get really anywhere. We're still on the surface. So I'm not going to talk about that kind of prayer because we want to get something accomplished, right? Okay, so let me tell you that when God, look at this. I want you to look at this. Uh, In Psalm 37, look at Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Now, I'm going to read it out of the uh, Amplified Bible. But I want you to understand that birthing prayer, or what a lot of times the Bible will call travail, okay, birthing prayer or travail is how you actually break through into the supernatural. It's how you bring heaven's purposes and heaven's will, God's will, and bring it into the earth. Okay, it takes travail. So take a look at this, Psalm 37, 4 and 5. A lot of times this is misinterpreted, and I want to show you what this is really talking about. It says this, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and the secret petitions of your heart. Okay, that's verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he's going to give you the desires of your heart. A lot of times we have, it, have heard it interpreted in different um, churches where, where what we are thinking this is saying is if you delight yourself in God, 
all the stuff that's down in you that you're desiring, he's going to give it to you. Just delight yourself in him. He's going to give you all this stuff. Right? But then it goes on and it says, commit your way to the Lord or roll and repose each care of your load upon him and trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident also in him, and he will bring it to pass. I thought it already said he would just give it to you. And now it's talking about a whole different way he's going to bring it to pass. It's because that's not even interpreted correctly. That word give Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you. That word give you really is the word impregnate you. It's a picture of this. God says, I have, okay, God says, I've already written all of your days in the book. I've already written all your days in the book, and I believe so much in it. I even put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. You got to literally tell me no for me to blot you out. Okay, and so I've already written all your days. This is not a predestined thing. This is God saying, I'm going to write down for you. Have you ever, okay, let me give you this picture. Have you ever done this with someone? You say, I want you to, you've been in a game and somebody says, I, I want you to get as close to the number that Pastor Jacob is thinking of right now. Okay, the only way we're going to know what that is and really be truthful about what it really is so he doesn't change his mind because he likes you better than he likes you, so he's going to pick your number closer to you. The only way we're going to know what really was in his mind is what? He's writing it down and hiding it away. Then when the numbers come out, we can pull it out and say, this is what the number was, right? This is what God does. Same thing. He's saying, I'm not changing it because of your personality. I already know who you are. So I'm going to write down my will for you in this book that I've got tucked away over here in heaven. Now, as you're seeking me, you can find out what that says. And I'm not going to change it according to what you're praying because, you know, we've got somebody single over here that's praying that God will give me that certain person. And you're not going to move God by that. He's already got written down in the book your, his will for you. Okay? And he's waiting for you to start delighting yourself in him so that he can take what he wrote down and impregnate you with it. You see that? You see what I'm saying? So he's taken already his will. And when you delight yourself in him... He impregnates you, and now you think it's your idea, but it's not. It's his. They become so close that it's not even you. You really think, oh, this is what I really want. It's really what he wanted. You delighted yourself in him, and he made that promise yours. Okay? Then it says, commit your way to the Lord. Okay, so we've delighted in him. He has placed his purposes and his will in us, his promises in us. Now, we're carrying this. And he says, now, commit your way to the Lord. Okay, so how do we do that? By rolling over every care and load that we have onto him. Letting him carry it. We commit our way to him. Just like what Pastor Mark was saying. When the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding, you're linked up. And he's leading you and he's guiding you. 
He says, commit your way like that and then trust him. You can't take it on yourself and try to figure out, okay, how am I going to get this to happen? I've got this promise in me, and how am I going to get this to happen? He says, you need to just trust me. Commit your way to me and trust me. And he said, and also, uh, and he will bring it to pass. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. So he will help you deliver this promise. This is why I call it the birthing prayer. Okay, this is birthing prayer. So we're delighting ourselves in him. We're letting him give us, sometimes it comes to us even as prophetic words and we latch onto it. Okay, and it becomes a promise for us. And at that moment, he impregnates us with that promise. How many of you guys know that the moment that you get pregnant, you don't just go give birth? Right? There's a process. This baby has to grow. You have to grow. Things shift and change in your life. When you're pregnant, uh, with, you're pregnant with God's desires, and there's only one way that you can get that promise. If you are pregnant with a baby, you've been believing God for a baby, for a baby, for a baby, and you get pregnant with that baby, All the only way you are going to actually get to hold that baby and experience that promise, hold it, is to give birth. You can't just say, well... I can't wait till I can hold this baby. Uh, well, you're going to have to give birth. Oh, no. I don't have time for that. I do not have time for that. You know what's going to happen? If you don't have time to birth the thing that God has put in you, it will die. Because it is unnatural and it is unhealthy for you to hang on to that baby for, you know, 14 months. That is not natural. It is not healthy. Now, I realize that sometimes God's promises, it's not like our natural pregnancies, right? Sometimes God's promises take a whole lot longer than that. But when the time comes and God says, this is it, it is time to bear down and give birth, we cannot turn away and say, don't have time. And God calls a church corporately. I, I don't want to really talk so much uh, this morning about individuals. I want to talk about corporate. Okay, because we have promises over this body. And this body is pregnant. And when the church is called into prayer, you cannot sit home and say, I don't have time for this. Because you have got to birth that or it will die and so will you. Even when a child, when the enemy comes and a child is lost in the womb the womb has to get rid of it or it will poison you you cannot ignore the fact that you must give birth you have to know that you have to give birth right now uh, you can't give birth without travail listen I know there are some people and I do not know how in the world that they got it accomplished because I believed and did not receive <laughs> a supernatural childbirth <laughs> where there was no pain. No, you, one of you guys might know somebody, but it's going to be super rare that that happened. There was a book, Supernatural Childbirth. And man, I did my best to follow that sucker. And 
first time I gave birth, I said, I want no, no pain meds. I want no drugs, no pain meds. And I told Mark, I said, whatever you do, do not let me back down from that. I don't care how bad I'm in pain. Just look at me and say, you told me no. And he goes, what? And I said, I'm telling you, I'm giving you permission. Just tell me no. So <laughs> we're, I'm giving birth. And um, I get to one point and I said, I'm telling Mark, I'm like almost out of breath, right? Now, listen, it only took me two and a half hours to give birth of my first child, which is like unheard of, right? So, but I'm still like, I am weak, I am out of breath, and I'm barely speaking, and I'm like, I need drugs. <laughs> and he goes, what? I said, I need drugs. And he's like, what? So I do this. He's leaning over me, trying to listen to me. I grab him by the shirt and go, I need drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he goes, you told me no. You told me to tell you no. So no, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I bore down, and I had that baby. Okay, but you can't give birth without travail. <laughs> you can't. Like, it is virtually impossible to give birth uh, without travail. And listen, when you're pregnant, it can be very uncomfortable. Now, I want you to think about this as a body here. I want you not to think about in the natural, but I want you to think about as a corporate body, you are pregnant with a promise. God has had so many words over this body, so many words. And my job this morning is to get here and help you birth this. I'm going to be like your doula, your midwife or something, right? And I want to come in and help you get this thing birthed because we don't want it to die and we don't want you to die. Okay, so that's what we are here this weekend. Okay, so we want to help you get this thing birthed. All right, but you guys have to actually do the pushing. I can't do it for you. I want it for you. I don't want you to give up. I will encourage you, but you guys will have to do the work. You guys are the one pregnant. I'm pregnant with somebody else's, <laughs> right, another church. You understand what I'm saying? But I am here to show you, and I've been through this myself, and I'm going to talk about that at the end, but I've been through this myself, and I'm going to show you the benefits of it, okay? So while you're, while you're pregnant with destiny here, it can be uncomfortable at times. It's not always easy. Some people have really easy pregnancies, and some people have very difficult ones where the enemy is constantly after them. Sometimes you may go through periods where you're really great, and then wham, things begin to shift again. Because see, your body is changing. Okay, it's not the same. Your body will change when you're pregnant. You start to feel something happening after a while. You go through a while and everybody says, you're pregnant, you're pregnant, you're pregnant. And you get the tests and sure enough, you're pregnant. Words are confirmed, right? You're pregnant, prophecies come. And then prophecies are confirmed, showing you the little test. It's got the positive sign. You are pregnant. But you don't feel any different for a while. But if you take care of that pregnancy, if you take care of the body, and you don't just sit down 
and lay down and say, well, I'm pregnant. I really can't do anything. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Get up, get busy, stay active, stay connected. Be the body. Do what's best for the body. Okay? And so after a while then, you actually start feeling the pregnancy. You start feeling different. Hormones are changing. You start feeling things that are changing. And after a while, bumps start growing, right? The body starts growing. And you feel some kicking going on. You know something's happening. And those are all great signs. So don't be discouraged when you feel kicking. Don't be discouraged when you feel movement and when you feel change. Do not be discouraged by that because that is a normal pregnancy. That happens. If something, if you don't start feeling something, something's not right. Okay? So you stretch and you enlarge. You stretch and you enlarge. And, but why? Why? What is the purpose behind that stretching and enlarging? It's getting you ready to give birth. You're getting ready to give birth. My daughter-in-law and our youngest son just had a baby uh, almost a month ago now. She'll be uh, a month old on the 9th. So we're just a couple of days away here. But she, I remember Amanda was, uh, she told me about eight months in, she still had a whole nother month to go. Okay. And eight months into this, she was like, Oh my God, mama, I hurt so bad. When I lay down, I can't get any sleep. My bones hurt. And I said, your hip bones, your pelvic bones. And she said, yes, it's so uncomfortable. And I said, do not despise that dear. Do not despise that. Cause you know what that means? That this pregnancy is healthy. Yes. This pregnancy is healthy. And if your bones, she's, you know, all of this big around. I told her, I said, if your bones don't move, <laughs> you ain't birthing that baby. So your bones have to shift. Things have to move. It is your body is designed that way. Do you understand? God designed your body. And he gives us an example in the natural of what's happening over here in the spirit. Just like Jesus would give parables. And he would do that trying to get you to connect. This is what's happening in the spirit. I know you can't see it. So let me show you something over here in the natural to help explain what's happening over here. So basically this morning I'm giving you a parable. I'm using your own body so that you can understand what has happened over here in the spirit. And your bones must shift. They must shift. Your organs move out of the way, your bones start to shift, your hips widen, all of your bones start spreading. Yes, it is uncomfortable, but just know this, that without it, you are not giving birth. It is not just going to be easy. One day you're going to wake up and a baby is going to be in your arms. I wish it was that easy. <laughs> I wish it was, but we must go into birth to do that. Now, here's the thing. You can't do that on a Sunday morning. It's not the place. That's like saying, I feel like I'm going to give birth. I'm going to head to the mall. 
<laughs> Lots of people all around, not the place to give birth. When you are called together for prayer, you are coming to the hospital. And you might be checking in. Listen, I went to the hospital three times with my first child. And I thought, I'm not going back. Because, you know, every time they send me home, I just know this is it. I just know this is it. And I go and I try my best to convince them, no, this is really it. This is really it. And they're like, Mrs. Wallace, you know, you're not quite ready yet. You know, we've checked you. You're not quite ready. And sometimes we come to prayer and we get discouraged because we haven't seen anything happen yet. And the Lord sends us back home because Holy Spirit has checked us and said, not quite yet. There's still some more growing to do. There's still some more growing to do. So don't be discouraged and hear me very well. Do not be discouraged when you don't get your promise when you thought you would. Because you may be sent home because the baby needs to grow a little bit more or your bones need to spread a little more. Do you realize that my baby, uh, my new grandbaby, Chloe, when my daughter-in-law first went to the hospital, she was sent home because Chloe was ready, but her body was not. She was only dilated one, and she was only 50% effaced. Uh, no, I'm taking that back. She was about 70% effaced. Her body wasn't ready yet. The baby was. Nothing wrong with Chloe. But the body had a little more growing to do to be able to birth her safely. Now, Amanda could have insisted, I want this baby out right now. I don't care what you have to do. And they have to go in and cut her and take the baby cesarean, an unnatural way to do it. Do you see what I'm saying? Your body was created to go the other way, to have the baby naturally. You guys getting this? You understand what I'm saying? You have to make sure you are ready. So you know what Amanda did? She went home and she started doing stretches. She started doing stretches, and she would bend, and she would bow back, and she would walk, getting her body ready. They had me walk for hours with my first child, hours with him. And then finally they said, you're ready, and went in. Sometimes we need a little help breaking the water, and when we do, two hours, and he was here. Sometimes we need a little help breaking the water. You need to get in here and get an intercession. And let Holy Spirit go in and do what he can do to get your body the rest of the way ready. Okay? So, also, in the birthing room, man, when we get in there, the reason we don't go to the mall is because the birthing room can be a little crazy. Listen, there is a lot of pain in that birthing room there's a lot of blood in that birthing room there's a lot of wrestling in that birthing room I don't normally ever grab my husband by the collar and demand something <laughs> but in the birthing room guess what <laughs> because you get a little desperate and you start bearing down you can feel something's changing something's shifting and this is super uncomfortable Holy Spirit give me comfort <laughs> 
<laughs> right? Give me some comfort. And Holy Spirit is faithful and always there. Okay? But that doesn't mean that he's going to take you out of all of the pain. We're on the earth, you guys. We're on the earth. And as long as we're here, there's going to be pain. We got to wait to get to the other side for there not to be any pain. So just embrace it. Figure out what the, what the deal is and if you can fix it at all or if it's just something you got to barrel through, okay? But this is what happens when we get, give birth. It can also be very loud in there. It can be very vocal and very loud in a birthing room, okay? So when you come to prayer, it's not necessarily when it comes time for birthing, you guys aren't going to be necessarily sitting on the chair praying like this. It's going to get loud it's going to get messy. There's a lot of wrestling that goes into it. The Bible talks about a praying with groanings that can't be uttered, with travail. Listen, that is many times a thing where you're just absolutely bent over or you're laid out on the floor. Oh, God. Oh, oh, God. Sounds like a birthing center, doesn't it? Because it is. It is in the spirit. Okay? So... This is why, again, you know, we don't do this on Sunday morning, okay? Because it's not the place, not the time. Wouldn't people kind of think we're weird? God gives a place and a time, just like he provided hospitals instead of the malls and said everybody congregate there for everything, okay? There are specific places. Okay, so, uh, so many times churches really don't understand, though, that we get the promise and we, th we don't understand we have to birth it. That's our responsibility, not God's. He's going to help us. He's going to bring it to pass. But he's not the one doing the pushing, right? He's not the one. That's you. That's you. You guys can't sit down and quit. Okay, so now I love to always try to hook up um, something with the word to give us the example out of the word because we should always be able to use the word as a map, right? Okay, so let's go to the Word and let's take a look at this because God gives us a beautiful picture of this. I, it's, so, it's so explicit, like it's so clearly understood what's happening here. So let's take a look at, um, well, before we go there, we're going to look at Elijah. Uh, but before we do that, I want to tell you that, no, actually we are going to go to it. Let's go there first. Um, 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. And I want to take a look. Uh, I want to read for you guys the first verse. And then we're going to skip a lot of them. I'll just kind of tell you what's happening. So it says, after many days, the word, of, you have to know there's a severe drought. Severe drought going on. There's not been any rain for, I don't, I can't even remember how long. Do you remember? Like seven years. Like a severe, severe drought. Okay. So not one drop of rain. So they're cut in a, sorry, we got the hiccups. Uh, they're kind of in a bad way, right? After seven years of no rain, imagine that. So God then speaks to um, Elijah and he, and he says this, after many days, the word of the Lord came. Thanks, baby. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. And I, can you imagine it's not rained in all this time, right? And Elijah's like, 
did you just say you would send rain if I'll go talk to Elijah? I'm gone. <laughs> and he takes off to go talk to Elijah or to go talk to Ahab. Elijah goes to talk to Ahab. Okay. So he goes and he's talking to Ahab and he's telling him, listen, here's what I want you to do. You know, I'm, he's actually Ahab. When Elijah goes and finds Ahab in this story, if you read, read on down, you'll find out that Ahab, he, he tells, uh, Elijah tells Obadiah to go tell Ahab that I'm here. Come talk to me. So they finally get to meet. And Ahab says, hmm, so are you the one that's been troubling? You know, Israel, you're the one that's been troubling here? And he said, uh, Elijah's like, excuse me? <laughs> no, it's not me. It's actually you. <laughs> and Ahab's like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm not doing anything. He's like, yeah, it's you, dude. Like, it's you. I'm here to tell you. The problem is, is you guys, you have killed all of the prophets. I'm like the only one left of the prophets of the Lord. And, but yet you've raised up 400 prophets for Baal. And then on top of that, like, that's not good enough. Then you raise another 450 up for Asherah, or however you pronounce her name. Another uh, God that they created, another false God. And he says, so you got 750 over here that you've raised up, but killed all of us. I'm the only one left. And if it was up to you, I'd be dead too. And he says, so here's what's going to happen. So I want you to gather up all your little prophet dudes and I want you to head to Mount Carmel and we're going to get together and we're going to just see how this thing is working out for you. And I'm going to show you you're the problem, not God. And so they meet down at Mount Carmel, uh, I guess down at the base, because then they talk later about going up. So I'm assuming they're meeting at the base of the mountain of the Mount Carmel and they have, you know, the big showdown. You guys know what that showdown is, right? There's fire after there's drenched with water that they already didn't have enough of. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, I was thinking about this. Like, Elijah puts this bull out. He's got it half laid out. And then he's, and he digs a trench all the way around it. And he says, uh, go get some water. They're probably like, are you serious? Like, I, we've had no rain here. Like, seriously? Like, water. Yeah, okay, whatever. So they get water, and three times he tells them, I go back and get some more. We need some more water. This thing's not drenched enough to where it fills up the whole trench around it. So his odds are not looking good, right? Because he wants to start a fire on, on that, all that water. So you guys know the story. The, it, everything burns up. And, you know, he's, he's mocking him and totally making fun of them. He's like, oh, your God's not listening? Mm. Yeah, maybe he's taking a nap or maybe he's just trying to fool you. You know, maybe he's in, and he's totally mocking them. And they're getting infuriated, just infuriated. And God demonstrates his power right in front of them. And when it all ends up at the very end, if you look down at verse 40, after this big showdown is is happening. Keep going. Verse 40. Elijah said, seize the prophets of Baal and let no one escape. 
And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon. And as God's law required, he slew them there. So now he's the only one left. Out of all of these guys that are in this showdown, he's the only one left. So you think, okay, this is like one cool story, right? Man, God just came through, told them to go, and came through. Um, where's the rain? Because isn't that why he sent him to begin with? Like, that's a cool little show, but where's the rain? Because the rain was the promise. And I love what you did, Lord. Thanks for taking up for us. Thanks for being our vengeance. I get that, and I appreciate that, but you said if I go to talk to Ahab, you're going to release the rain. Okay, so here's this. I want you to look at Isaiah 66, and we're going to go back to 1 Kings, so keep your finger there. But in Isaiah 66, verse 9, this is God's promise. He says this, shall I bring to the moment of birth and not cause you to bring forth? Man, when I think about that, it's like God looking at us and saying, I know you're discouraged. I know you haven't seen it coming. It hasn't rained for up to three years at this point. There's been no rain. And I know I know that this isn't looking good. I get that. But do you trust me? Because remember, Psalm 37 said in the last part of it, how you bring it to pass is you have to trust him. Trust him in order to bring it to pass. But we get to a point where we're questioning God, where are you? Where are you? Like I've been waiting on this a long time. You are pregnant. You are pregnant, and either your body or the baby isn't ready yet. One of the two. It's up to you to figure out what it is. Lord, what is happening here? Because your promise is Isaiah 66, 9. Shall I bring to the moment of birth and not cause to bring forth, says the Lord. Shall I who causes to bring forth shut the womb? He says, that's not me. That's not even my character. If you question me on this, you don't even know my character. I would never promise you something and not bring it to pass. I would never do that. That's my character. And he's saying this. He said, you might give up on things. And you might say, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of this. But I, that's up to you. If you abort this, I put the pregnancy in. I supplied the promise, if you abort, don't blame me. Because my character is to see it come to pass. I will not bring you to a place of birth and not cause you to give birth. Trust in, rely on, and I will bring it to pass. Okay? So are we not trusting or, not re or are we not relying on him? What is the, where's the issue? Okay, so now, so that's the good news, right? So now Elijah, all of a sudden, see, he realizes that there is, um, in verse 41, Elijah now is, that's a really cool showdown. Thank you, Lord, but where's the rain? 
But see, he is like, I know God promised me this rain. This is what God said. So you know what? I smell rain. Not a cloud in sight. Skies are as bright blue as could be. Not a cloud in sight. And Elijah's like, I smell rain. I smell rain. And everybody's going, okay, he's lost it. Like, you know. Thank God he came through for him when he called all those other prophets up here. <laughs> but the dude has officially lost it. I mean, there's no way. Like, he can't be looking at the, his time has passed already. Skies are still blue. You did your showdown. I did what I was supposed to do, and there's still no rain. And Elijah then... Once he's killed all of the other prophets, right? He slew them all there. Look at verse 41. Uh, back to 1 Kings 18. Verse 41 says, And Elijah said to Ahab, He looked the enemy right in the eye. He didn't go run off and start crying and saying, But God, you didn't send the rain. He looked the enemy in the eye and very boldly looked up and said, Ahab, you need to go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. And you know Ahab's got to be looking at him like he's nuts too at this point, right? He's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go eat. <laughs> and so he just walks off. And he can't wait to get back to talk to Jezebel, his wife. So he leaves, um, Ahab leaves, right? And all in the middle of all of this wonderful victory that's taken place. Now, as soon as he sends Ahab off and says, you need to go eat and drink. You know, and Ahab's like, yeah, not a problem. So he leaves. And Elijah, it says this, it says in verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Go to the top. He's calling us higher. Okay, the rain hadn't come yet. Maybe you were down too low. He's calling you higher. It's not his fault. It's got to be something we're not doing yet. So he calls them up higher. He says, go up to the top of the mountain. So here, uh, Elijah goes to the top of the mountain. And look at this. And he bowed himself upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Does that sound like birthing position to you? Oh, we've had a lot of victories. We've seen some good stuff. We've seen the devil taken down. We've seen healings. We've seen miracles. But where's the promise? It is still not here. In all the blessings. Don't give up on the promise. Well, it's good enough. We're seeing lots of miracles, having a great thing. Church is growing. Uh, yeah, you're pregnant. It ought to be growing. Things ought to be shifting. You ought to be moving around. But don't give up on your promise. Do not give up on your promise. You are pregnant with destiny. You are pregnant. How many times has the Lord told you guys, enlarge your tent, strengthen your stakes? Guess what? You're pregnant. <laughs> if someone hasn't told you already, you are pregnant. And you cannot give up on the birth. You cannot give up on the promise. This promise is a gift to you. 
The promise is a gift. And you may need to climb the mountain after all the great victories. And yet, tell me, do you not think that that probably took a lot of work for Elijah, this showdown? They had 750 other prophets that were working on it and chanting and moving things around and hollering out and, you know, yelling, trying to get their gods to do something. And Elijah is over here by himself having to do the whole thing by himself. He had to cut the bull in half. He had to dig the trench. Once they brought him the water, he had to pour the water. He had to be standing there alone with no one else, believing God to catch it on fire. You guys know that's exhausting, right? That could be exhausting. And now he climbs all the way to the top of the mountain. He's exhausted, but he still gets in birthing position. And he says, I'm not giving up on this promise. You promised me rain. Let's get this thing done. And he gets up. Now, could he have just gone home too? Yes, he sure could have. But there still wasn't a promise. So he contended for it. Sometimes we have to contend for it. Sometimes we have to realize we're in the birthing room. Now it's time to get busy. Okay, so here he goes, and he gets in this birthing position. And after all these amazing victories, do you realize, like, he didn't really have to contend for the fire to light, right? It just kind of, he just, you know, God, light this fire, and there it was. God, bring this rain forth. Blue skies. God, bring this rain forth. Blue skies. Still no rain in sight. Send Ahab home. Right? Go, go eat and drink. Right? So he gets in that birthing position, and he begins to birth out the promise, and he tells his servant seven times, go check to see if you see rain. Go check the clouds. Go see if the clouds are moving in yet. Seven times. What happens when we give up on try three? And try four and process starts getting too long and I mean we gotta go to prayer again. Good God, we have revival this week. And now you want us to come to prayer too? I'm not I just not feeling it, not seeing it. Try four. Still not seeing it. Try five. I just want to go home. But I stick it out. Try six. And he tells his servant on try seven, go and look toward the sea. Tell me what you, come and tell me what you see. And the servant comes back and he says, I see a cloud. Now, granted, it's just the size of a man's hand, but I see a cloud. Yeah, come on. Right? And Elijah's like, yes, go tell Ahab he better get home right now. Go tell him he better get home or the rain's going to stop him. You guys, the cloud was the size of a man's hand. And we're expecting rainstorms to get the guy to stop him from even going home, right? You need to go tell him. He's like, he already thinks you're nuts. <laughs> you know, type thing. You can tell with, you can just imagine what they're thinking, right? So he tells him, you just go tell him. Tell him, because I know God. I know my God. And he said, he's not going to bring me to the place of birth and not see it happen. He is not going to close up my womb now. So, Seventh time when he comes back, he sends his servant on to tell Ahab. I'm sure Ahab's like, 
Okay. Um, guys, let's just pack it up and go home. You saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. <laughs> let's just go on home. Hey, take your time. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> right? And they're packing up, packing up the chariots, and they're headed home. And God brings a supernatural strength over Elijah after he has given birth until he can see just a little hand, a uh, uh, cloud the size of a man's hand. The Lord gives Elijah supernatural birth to where he takes off running back toward Jezreel too. And he outruns the chariot 20 miles. He runs like that. He becomes the bionic man, a million dollar man, right? So he takes off and running. Now, so that sounds like a great story. I mean, God's doing amazing things because you know what the, cloud, the dark clouds then, as he's running, the dark clouds are moving in and all of a sudden the sky fills up and it starts pouring rain. So that sounds like super cool. Yes, God birthed it. It's amazing. And we're done and we're going to go sit down because I am really tired now. He's run 20 miles. I mean, cut him some slack, right? He just ran like a crazy man for 20 miles. And so he gets home, and this is what the church does. You finally get, and, I, and I'm here also to give you a warning, because what happens in so many times, and we experience this at home in our church, God birthed the miracle. We moved into our new building. That was, that was our promise. We moved into our new building, and when we did, everybody sat down. We were all tired from Months and months and months of working so incredibly hard to get to that building. And once we got it, everybody sat down. And we thought at first, okay, I mean, everybody's really tired. Listen, we've been like eight months we've been setting up, tearing down every Sunday in a school while we're waiting on the promise. So we were trying to cut him some slack. But then, man, Jezebel showed up, and we were sleeping. We were tired, and we were sleeping. And I want to show you what happens. I, I told you this was an incredible example. Go on and look at chapter 19. Because he, he runs, he's, you know, the um, hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He runs, he gets home. And now he gets home and he just wants to lay down. He's exhausted. And it says in verse 1 in chapter 19, Ahab told Jezebel. Ahab told Jezebel everything that just happened. All that Elijah had done and how he had slain all the prophets of Baal with a the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and, me and more also if I make not your life as the life of one of these by this time tomorrow. In other words, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead too. And so, now, y'all, he had just experienced the power of God, the supernatural of God. He had seen all of this, and then God brought rain. He had birthed the promise. All of this happened. And now, all of a sudden, because he was tired, because he was sitting down and he let his mind go and he sat down on the job, Jezebel shows up. And all of a sudden, how does he react to her? Now, it, remember, 
750 prophets of Baal and Asherah. And he slays them like no problem. One woman, Jezebel, shows up. And all of a sudden, it says, she threatens him, and it says this. In verse 2, um, uh, verse 3. Then he was afraid. What? He got out of his place of protection. He was no longer relying on God. He was tired and going to sit down now. It says, and he was afraid, and he arose, and he went for his life. He ran for his life. He, he just bolted. After he had just seen the promise. Just birthed it. Was part of the birthing. He was afraid. He arose, and he ran. And he came to Beersheba of Judah, uh, which was over 80 miles. He ran. And then he... Uh, he told his servant to leave, and he just himself kept going another day's journey into the wilderness, and he sat down under a tree, a juniper tree, and told God, I just want you to take me. I'm tired. I just want you to kill me now. And God's like, wait, what? Okay. Like, I hate to be repetitive with you here, but do you remember what just happened? Like, yesterday like man that was a short memory span right there <laughs> yesterday all of this stuff went down okay so it says he told God he was he just wanted to die he said this is just enough I can't take you anymore it's like what and to, to all of us looking around it looks silly but to him that's how tired he was birthing wears you out but please be warned you cannot just sit down you give birth for a reason that's like you know what this that Elijah is sitting here saying this is like I just gave birth to my child at the hospital and now I said I'm too tired to take him home like I just it's gonna be how much work that is I'm just tired now do you realize how long I had to be in birth like I'm just tired I just just take me home I'm just tired of this. No, I'm not taking the baby. It's like you contended for this promise, and now you want to sit down and do nothing. And now you're asking me, God, just take me out of this. Just take me out of it. And as he lay asleep under the tree, behold, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. Now, do you realize he hadn't eaten? Send Ahab a way to eat. But he went straight up to the mountain. He did not re refresh himself. He did not nourish himself. And we have to be very careful because sometimes we fly. We fly on these wonderful experiences that we have with the Lord. And we do not keep ourselves replenished. We come out of prayer. We've done our job. We did it good. We come out of prayer. We don't get into the word. We don't get into anything. And so, guess what? We're open season for the enemy. And here the enemy was. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, refresh yourself. You need to eat. So he, and he looks over and God even provided something for him to eat. So he eats it and he goes back to sleep. Angel again, excuse me. <laughs> you need to get up. Stop sitting. Get up. You need to eat some more. And he t it tells him this. He says, you need to eat some more 
for the journey is too great for you. You guys, the journey is too great for us without refreshing ourselves in him. We need to eat the word. We need to stay in prayer. We need to take in Holy Spirit. Okay, because the journey can be too great for us without it. Okay, now, that's, I don't really want to go any further into that story because it's irrelevant on the fact that this is where we need to be. Okay, now, sometimes, you know, Elijah sat down and sometimes we do too. We get a little bit, uh, we get scared, you know, especially if you've never birthed anything in the spirit before. It's kind of like your first child. You're scared. Listen, I said, I remember about a month before I had Josh, about three weeks or so before I had him, our first child, I literally said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Like, I am petrified. I don't know what it's going to be like. I hear horror stories. I hear good stories. I don't know what it's going to be like, right? So I'm just, I, I'm too scared. Like, man, I wish I could back out of this now. Like, but it's too late. You're pregnant. It's too late. It's time to give birth. But we do that. Now, we also went to a Lamaz class. Those you don't really hear of too much anymore. But back in our day, when we had our first child, close to 40 years ago, um, the, you know, Lamaz classes. And something that they tell you at Lamaz is very, very important, even in spiritual birthing. They tell you, find a focal point. Don't get distracted by everything going on in the room. Don't get distracted by the monitors. Don't get distracted by all the nurses and doctors coming in and out. Don't get distracted by any of that. When it comes time to bear down and push, you better get a focal point and you keep it there and you keep your attention right there. And when you do, something amazing happens. Your breathing starts being better. It helps your breathing. So when we are talking about spiritual uh, birthing as well, find a focal point. How about the promise? Find the focal point and stick with it. His faithfulness. That's a good focal point. His faithfulness. And don't take your eyes off of his faithfulness. And find your focal point so that your breathing can get well and you can get ready to push. Remember in Psalm 37, 5, trust in the Lord and he will bring it to pass. Our focal point must be on him. Okay? So, uh, okay, so I just wanted to bring that to you guys. And I want to tell you one thing really quick. Can you guys give me another five minutes? Okay, so here's the deal. I want to give you then a personal experience of what happened. I want to talk about when Mark was... Uh, going through his COVID journey. As he was going through his COVID journey, um, I heard the Lord tell me he's going to live and not die. Now, he went in on a Thursday, and I heard God tell me right away, he didn't make me wait to hear he was going to live. He told me first thing, I mean, like by Friday morning, he's telling me, he's going to live and not die. Don't worry. Trust me. Trust me so I can bring this to pass. He's going to live and not die. So I held on to that, I mean, with everything in me. And I was not going to let go of that word. And any other word that the Lord started bringing me, like the first uh, Timothy 7, uh, 4, 17, right? I held on for dear life for, to these verses. So as I did, it came now Easter Sunday morning. This is uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three days later. Okay, so three days later, um, it's Easter Sunday morning. Now, I am sicker than a dog. Uh, to be honest with you, I should have gone to the hospital too. 
I just was determined. Both of us weren't going to be there and be, because I knew if I went, it, I was ventilator bound, and I was not going to do that. I already have some other lung issues. So I was determined I wasn't going to. So I am weak. I am tired. I am hurting. I am not in a good position, right? I'm so weak, I can barely stand. No one can come and take care of me because I have COVID. So I'm at home as weak as could be, and I make a decision on that Easter Sunday morning. I am going to get up, and I am going to worship my God. He gave me this promise, and I'm going to commit my way to him. I'm going to trust him, and I'm just going to worship him. And I got up, and as weak as I could, I stood in my living room uh, in front of my television that's on the wall, and I have a big rug in front of the fireplace. And I stood on that rug, and I just began to worship. The song, You Came, was on. And man, you came, and I knew that you'd come. I knew that you would come. I knew you weren't going to leave me in this grave. You came, and I knew that you would come. Man, I had something to rejoice about. No, had I seen it in the natural yet? Nope. But I saw it in my spirit, and I had a promise that I was pregnant with this promise. And I just began to dance before the Lord. I, I mean, with every ounce of strength that I had, I was dancing before the Lord and just worshiping. To the point, and I got so lost in worship, I literally completely depleted myself of all energy, and I fell in the floor. And I fell, when I fell on the floor, oh, I felt intercession start. I could feel it rising up. I could feel it was time to give birth. And, and as that intercession began to rise up, man, I just bore down. I just, I, I was in the floor already. I got up on my knees, and I was bent over on my knees And I was rocking back and forth and just praying as hard as I could in the spirit. I mean, I could feel it rising up. It wasn't something I was having to do. It was there. It was rising up, and I was yielding to what spirit, what Holy Spirit was trying to do. And when I could feel a little bit of relief from that, because it was hard. I mean, it was like bearing down like giving birth. It was hard. And I... And I got up, I tried to sit up a little bit, and I thought, I'm not finished worshiping. And I got back up, and I asked the Lord for strength to get back up, and I went for a second round. And I was just dancing before the Lord until once again I collapsed in the floor again. And once again I felt massive intercession start. And I prayed and was just birthing, trying to, you know, let the Lord do what he was, he was bringing it to pass, Right? Now, this is only three days in, you guys. Mark was in the hospital for 28 days. But I knew something was happening at that moment. I knew something was happening. And when I finally got relief from that second round of intercession, I remember getting up, and I couldn't even stand up. I crawled over to the couch, and I sat down on the couch, and I just started laughing and crying at the same time. It was like, for those of you women who have given birth before, you know, like you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing, and it is violent, and then all of a sudden the baby is out, and you're just like, oh. 
and they lay that baby on your chest and you just you forget all about all that pain everything's gone because the joy of that bundle is right there on you and that's what it felt like I sat in that chair and I it was less than 30 minutes my phone rang and I answered the phone and it was a lady from the church who said she said pastor Tammy she said remember we were all shut in so we were watching everybody was watching online she said, Pastor Tammy, I, we just took, uh, my husband and I just took my youngest daughter to her father's house. And she said, she lived just like five houses down from me. She said, we were coming home. And as I was about to come around the corner, I saw there was um, a woman standing at your window. Um, she said she was wearing like a, like a white cardigan type, kind of flowy white cardigan thing. And she was standing at your window. And I thought, she said, my first thought was, oh, look. And she said, I told my husband, hey, Ramon, take a look. Somebody's, uh, that's so awesome. I love that somebody is going and praying over Pastor Tammy standing outside of her window. And she said, when she turned to tell him that, she turned back around just as they were about to turn the corner and the lady was gone. And she said, I was like, wait a minute, I know what I saw. I just saw it. And now she's gone. And she said, but I know, you know, after praying about it, I know there was an angel that was, she said, don't think I'm crazy. And I'm like, I don't think you're crazy, girl. My house is full of angels right now. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I could feel them. I could feel their presence. Like, I could feel the presence of the Lord. I knew, I knew that something had happened significant in the spirit. Now, I did not see it in the natural for about another week. And I could have given up on that and said, this isn't the promise that I was expecting. And I could have left the baby at the hospital. But I didn't. I continued to hold on to it. And like the babies in NICU, 10 days later, I got to bring the baby home. We got an amazing report that all of a sudden he turned. So how many of you guys would like to experience something like that? Right? You guys ready to birth something and tired of keeping it in the womb, but let's get it birthed? Okay, so let's not talk about it anymore. Let's actually do it. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us.